adventures, and welcome back to Return to EverQuest, a podcast where we revisit and discuss the classic game of EverQuest. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing the Gnome Cruise adventures deep within the dungeon of Kasora in Kunark. And as always, we want to thank you for subscribing to our show and leaving those amazing ratings and review. Now, on to the show! So, after visiting the icy continent of Velios, it was time for the Gnome crew and their allies to seek much warmer lands. So back to Kunark they went. Evernerd led this expedition, so we'll turn to him for some lore. During the Gnome Crew's adventure in Splitpaw, Evernerd the Wizard, Tinkerwinks the Cleric, Nerf and Perf the Enchanter, Wilhelm the Beast Lord, Walk Don't Run the Warrior, and Reaper the Necromancer, eventually surrounded the Ishval Mal himself. The Ishval Mal pleaded for his life in exchange for information pertaining to a powerful necklace that would grant its carriers great power. The crew discussed their options amongst themselves and decided to spare the weakened knoll in exchange for the information and leave his fate up to the remaining split paw on the lands. The Ishval Mal thanked them and told them to visit the ghost of Birdael in the Crystal Caverns for the exact whereabouts of the necklace. If we meet a dead end, we will return for you, says Evaned. After the group leaves the room, the Reaper the Froglock Necromancer re-enters and steps toward the Ishval Mal. He begins to siphon his necromantic energy. Sparks of light could be seen flickering from the room and screams of horror could be heard down the corridors of Splitball as the rest of the known crew continued to walk away. Ah! Wilhelm the Barbarian Beast Lord turns around and faces the room as he contemplates intervening. But Walk Don't Run the Warrior places his hand on Wilhelm's shoulder and silently gestures no with his head. The gnome crew eventually makes it to Velius and locates the teleport entrance to the Crystal Caverns. After defeating the evil filth that lurks within, like that of Queen Drachnia, they finally locate the ghost of Burdale. Hello, friends. I know why you're here. You seek what is known as the Shrunken Ixar Skull Necklace. I'm afraid you must visit Kasora, also known as the Five Towers of Taraz and face the Sarnak Necromancer named Zalgaz in order to acquire it. Kasora is located on Kunark in the Field of Bone and has a rich history. At some point in the past, the evil serpent race called the Shasar, who were created by Kazakh Thul, enslaved the Ixar, who were also created by Kazakh Thul. The Shasar became arrogant and angered their god, who eventually sent the plague known as the Green Mist to kill them off. Some Shasar escaped to Luckland and established their new home in what is known as the Grey. With the Shasar gone, the Ixar were able to establish themselves in Kunark. The Ixar formed five separate tribes, one of them led by Venril Zathir, a warrior mage who dabbled in necromancy. Venril conquered the other four Vixar tribes and established the Kingdom of Sevelis. As Venril aged, his fear of death grew, 
so he made an agreement with Inaruk that would grant him immortality beyond the grave. Before the ritual was complete, Ryos appeared. Venril's evil son stopped it, causing Venril's soul to be trapped inside an amulet in Ryos' possession. Ryo established himself as King of Sepolis and appointed three warlords to help conquer territory. The first warlord was Kern Machta, who had Kern's tower built for him as a place to torture enemies. The second warlord was Karaktikus, who had a tower built for him in the Warslick Woods as a place to torture giants. The third warlord was a vampire named Chosuth, who had the Five Towers of Taraz, also known as Kasora, built for him, which served as a place of study and experimentation. The Five Towers surrounded an imperial palace where the royal hatchery was located. Eventually, the expansion of Ryle's empire in Kunark began to alarm the dragons that dwelt there. Without approval from the other dragons, Trachanon, the necromantic poison dragon, took it upon himself to attack Ryle while he was at sea, killing him. Trachanon's actions initiated an internal war amongst the dragons, and a war between the dragon and Ixar. A Treves of Fear, Ryle's son and a necromancer, then became King of Sepolis. It was under a Treves command when Chosuth the Vampire, within the labs of Kasora, created their Sarnak slaves, half-dragon and half-Ixar, and their Sokokar mounts, half-dragon and half-froglock, which helped expand the kingdom and combat the dragons. Atreve was eventually succeeded by his warrior son, Ganic Sathir, who fought the leader of the dragons, Jalid Dar, and his army in the Field of Bone. You insignificant little worm. How dare you defile me. Your insolence will be your downfall. Both died in a glorious battle, and the dragons retreated after destroying the imperial temple that was surrounded by the five towers of Taraz. Generations later, as Sarnaks began to revolt and goblins began to invade Ixar territory, the giants took the opportunity to attack the Ixar warlord outposts, leaving Kasora in rubble. Trachanon then returned with his dragon allies and destroyed what was left of the Ixar Empire. Sometime later, a Sarnak necromancer named Zalgaz entered the ruins of Kasora and claimed it as his home. The halls of Kasora are now littered with spiders and undead. Rumor has it that Zalgaz is now a vampire, which would mean that he must have been infected by Chosuth shortly after entering Kasora. Hopefully, Chosuth isn't still there upon your arrival. 
for he is much too powerful for the likes of you. I should also mention that I have received word that Venril Sathir has returned from the grave and now resides in Carnor's castle. My sources have told me that someone uncovered Ryo Sathir's corpse and the amulet that contains Venril's soul from the ocean. This individual combined the two, which resulted in the revival of Venril's soul in Ryo's body. Beware while you are in Pesora in case Venril decides to make a return to those lands. Good luck, my friends. Evernerd, Nerfenperf, and Tickerwings discuss the journey amongst themselves. Nerfenperf optimistically and confidently voices his approval of the journey. Tickerwings expresses his extreme concern and disapproval of entering a dwelling that is consumed by such necromancy, vampirism, and evil. These are the very banes of Tickerwings' existence. Evernerd sits back and listens to both arguments. He takes a few minutes to mentally weigh the risks and rewards of the journey. Evanard then steps forward and says, Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> nice. Man, uh, well, that was, uh, that was, that was like a J.J. Abrams style uh, production budget there. Derek, yeah, I don't know that's... where you're getting this from. This is, uh, well, we got together know, over the weekend. We got it done. <laughs> setting setting the bar a little too high now. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> now on my turn, I gotta like step it up. Holy crap! Gotta have like sound effects and all that stuff. That was really good. Good lore. A uh, lot to to take in there. I think we just a lot of that lore ties directly to the storyline in Runes of Kunark, um, mm -hmm. and then eventually Lucklin with the Shashir, the uh, Snake people. Yeah. So, Derek, as the leader of the expedition into the depths of Kasora. Can you give us and the audience an overview of the zone, the loot, and the type of mobs we encountered there? Yeah, sure. So interesting tidbit. When I was gonna, when I was formulating the story for Kasora, um, and I did all the research, it was just too epic of a story. I had to to give the uh, the listener a clear depiction of what was happening with that place. I had to tell what happened in the past and how it got to be destroyed the way it is that we see it in the game. So that's how it turned into that whole epic story. When I saw that story, I was like, this this story, this is a story of Kunark, so it has to be epic. So it's interesting where it, where it led me in there. But for those who haven't been Kizora or those who have been and want to get a recollection of what's there, the common mobs that you'll encounter in this zone are either one of the following. You got spiders, raveners, sarnak ghosts, and skeletons. The named and rare mobs are Zalgaz, Reaver of Zalgaz, the Spectral Librarian, Tortured Librarian, Strathbone Rune Lord, Failed Crypt Raider, Frenzied Strathbone, and Hungered Ravener. Zalgaz is an undead creature like the rest of the Sarnax in the zone, but unlike his counterparts who are ghosts, he's a vampire. This zone consists of three main locations. There's the library where the librarians reside, the church where Zalgaz himself resides, and the five towers that surround the church. These are the remaining foundations of the five towers that were destroyed by the invading giants in the lore story. The rest of the zone is a series of dirt tunnels and small rooms, which is not too interesting. As far as loot is concerned, it's not the best zone for loot. So I'll just name what Zalgaz himself drops. 
He drops the Blade of Zalgaz, which is a two-hand slash, 23 damage, and 40 delay weapon. The Shrunken Ixar Skull Necklace, which our gnomes are, are seeking. The Staff of the Dreaded Gaze, which is a necro staff that casts Invoke Fear. And lastly, the Zalgosian Fang, which is a six damage, 20 delay, warrior-only piercing weapon, which is nothing too fancy. Yeah, so this was my first time ever visiting Kisora. Never had been there before. And back in the early days of EQ, uh, when Kunark first came out, I did play an Ixar Monk, and I hunted all the time in the Field of Bone and Kern's Tower nearby. And it was so strange because I never knew that this zone existed. Like, I never, I guess, went into the ruins there because I felt maybe too high level for me. So also, the area just outside of Kisora is pretty cool. It's a bindable spot right there in the ruins. So I wonder if they did that to help the other races maybe experience parts of Kunark, since hardly anybody can get into Kabbalist without a ton of faction grinding. We know how that goes. And I, I must say, though, I really enjoyed the overall theme of Kisora. I mean, it's like a long-lost vampire rune, and then when you got undead and you got vampires, I'm there. Yeah, it's, that's your uh, favorite theme, isn't it? Uh, the vampire theme, uh, Anthony? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, it's like like Castle Mistmore. I mean, I think that you said that was like one of the, <laughs> one of the best zones that you like. But um, I think uh, it, it, this has been pretty good for me as well, since I, I rarely touched uh, Kunar back in the day. And uh, almost every zone that we've been in the past few uh, sessions, it's been a pretty good learning experience for me. And, and it's really nice that I'm able to look at it now, since we've had so much more time to explore. So I get to bask in all the lore and the glory of, of what Ruins of Kunark really was, that expansion, which is, I think, one of the best expansions that EverQuest had. Yeah, and this is my first time ever hearing the lore of Kunark since we've had mm-hmm. to actually study it, and you, it brings a lot more depth to the game. And one thing I noticed, you know, you guys noticed in the Field of Bone in the newbie pit area, there is a skeleton of a dragon. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm going to guess that that's the skeleton of probably Jay Lidar, the one that fought, I think it was Ganathar. Um, hmm. I, I think that's probably his corpse there. It's it's interesting to see that you have yeah you know, these these dragon remains and they all tie together. And um, I will say, for those of you out there who want more EverQuest podcasts in your life, I've listened to, to Forever Quest with Jeff and Sean, who were on this show before, and they've been talking to Tony Garcia, who's one of the early developers for EverQuest. And it was interesting to hear that they were talking about the timeline for when they put out the original classic EverQuest, Kunark, they couldn't include it because of time, so they um, left it for an expansion, but originally it was going to be part of the package. But because of the delay, they were able to continue working on a lot of the lore and all the connections. And I, I just feel that when we go from classic to Kunark, like, Kunark, the, the lore is so rich and, like, vivid, and the zones are all connected to it. I just don't feel that we get to the same level of lore in classic, maybe because they were focused on game design and and just putting it together. Mm -hmm. But it's like really cool to see how when you go out there and search on the internet or read books, listen to podcasts about devs talking about it, like the lore really starts to come into uh, out of its infancy and starts to really mature around this time. And it's, it's, it's more detail. Like you, you were mentioning, uh, way back in the the original, like one of our first episodes, uh, Derek, when you were mentioning that the way that we excuse how we have such a, a patchwork of lore for the original EverQuest is because, quote unquote, is 
you know, recited by men or by humans. So there's always going to be some kinds of, of issues or problems with it. Yeah. So it, this one seems more hashed out. And I like the fact that you touched on the, the Shisar kingdom or the Shisar race, because it's pretty funny to, to dive a little deeper with them and how they came to being. And then obviously they enslaved the Exars, who then not really enslaved, but created the, the Sarnak. So it's kind of cool to see a much more hashed out and, and detailed lore when it comes to Kunark compared to the original Ikea. Yeah, I agree. And just like we said before, when we were walking around in uh, was a Ferona Vi where you saw the statues of the Ixar. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. There's a lot more detail that you see. And But for some reason, I mean, Kunark to me is such a a dark continent and the zones that you go to are dark. And I don't know. I feel like I prefer uh, to be in the East Commons or something like that, you know, <laughs> a little... <laughs> Something a little more light. <laughs> Wait, you prefer being? Yeah, I prefer. You know, when I think of of for some reason, when I think of good times in EverQuest or, or a zone that I would like to, you know, walk around in, explore, and take my time, it's. East I would Commons? like to start in the East Commons. Yeah, that's that's is, where it all starts. Right are you there. talking to like prior to the bazaar? Is that why you like it, or is it because I don't? I it, you know what? I just. You have the Freeport right there. You have the Neck Forest. You have um, the tunnels where everyone used to sell everything before the bazaar. That's why, yeah. Yeah, so maybe it's it's there's a lot more nostalgia for me connected to that area. And you have the Fallen right there. But didn't, but, you, um, didn't you and Anthony always play like those evil races? Wouldn't, wouldn't you call Kunark more your home since you probably spend so much time? Mm, yeah i I just we 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 played light races too it's just we spent we did spend a lot of time in the east commons area and there was a lot of pvp and going on there and versus kunark i i think the problem with us and kunark is we didn't fully explore it it was usually tied specifically yeah over there in the wars lake woods Gotcha. And feel the bone and Kern's tower. I mean, that was pretty much it. If you ever, if you tell me to close my eyes and picture your you guys' characters, like okay, when I picture Derek, all I picture is this dang dark elf uh, necromancer. And don't I don't know why, but when I think of Anthony, don't ask me why. I I, I don't know why this comes up to me. I always think of a wood elf ranger. Don't ask me why. But did you have a wood elf ranger? I probably okay. played with it. Like a long yeah. time. It starts with a T or something. I forgot. Thranduil. I did. So I had Thranduil when I came back uh, for a brief period, I think in 2011. Um, you know, Steven brought me back into it. And so I played on Crystal Bane server and mm. I had a, I got up to level 65 or 69 with the Ranger and I got his epics. So the two lightning oh. swords. Yeah, yeah and that was just I, those Rangers were really fun. I liked them, but I never played them on the PvP server. But uh, I liked Thranduil a lot. Yeah, yeah, they weren't too good on the PvP server. That's why uh, originally they weren't. They could keep their distance and shoot at you, but with an arrow. But that was such low damage; it didn't mean anything. And if they got that, you know, because they could stay out of spellcaster range, which kept them safe. But the second they come in close, you start casting spells, and you out damage them. So. I think that's why. Do you remember what level it yeah. was? Yeah. So no, Rangers. Yeah, back in the original days, they're 
range, their bow and arrow sucked. But uh, when I played them on Bristol Bane, they got a lot of AAs and abilities where he would just destroy stuff with his bow and arrow. I mean, it was yeah. that, that's mainly, I think, what I used to attack at the end there. It was just like crit. I had like AAs that would make him crit and do all this crazy damage. So uh, I think I would have to assume on PvP they may have gotten a lot better uh, since then with the new AAs and stuff. Yeah. But I would say for, for me, if I was looking at zones that I considered home, I think Fedor. That's where I think of. I think of like Steamfont Mountains, Greater Fadar, Quisher really? Block Mountains. Yeah, that's no, kind of like where I feel no more. more I, I had a lot of, you know, I, I had my Wood Elf, you know, Ranger. I did um, my early days. I was uh, a, a, a gnome enchanter for my first ever character. And I had a high elf enchanter eventually. I don't know, just like the chessboard and uh crush bone it just was nostalgic in that area to me i liked it yeah and we remember we would usually take our new characters there anyways because we knew those zones so well and in the pvp server it was a team-based server and that's where all the light players would be so you kind of don't get harassed by the other players at the low levels so it's a safe zone and akanon as uh, steam mountains it's in like the corner there's no other there's one way in one way out right so it's easy you could go from one to 15 there and before you ever leave and have to engage in pvp on the on the team space server so i think that's i agree i fadeware and um antonica are the places i feel most at home and then it would be kunark and, and Velius. I, I barely ever touched Velius, so i don't feel anything there i think my next place would be planes of power from there wow um I'm on the other I'm on the other end. I'm 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 a halfling sucker, so I, I obviously Rivervale everything around Rivervale, I, I obviously Misty Thicket and then obviously the common lens as well. But I also tend to go back all the way to Kinos and, and go to the Coranas. Um I didn't you know, that's why I was telling you long, long ago that I still remember those guards from the Coranas that uh always kept you safe. Yeah. <laughs> they were always yeah. there. Yeah, I never, yeah, I never hunted in the Karanas ever, so I don't know what that's like. I mean, I've been yeah. there recently, and it's just like these massive zones of just like roaming yeah, animals. Be, yeah, I mean, it's good like, for soloing. Like I used to solo with a wizard there. Like when, and you see, when I used to play, I don't know why, but I used to solo a lot. I don't. So I would find necro, places yeah. that were great for soloing, you know. And yeah. the wizard could do it. The, the necro was the best at it, but that's what the Karanas were for you could find the elephants or big beetles and just hunt them out there and you had no competition really that's the widest like that's the longest zone in everquest is it like is there any other zone as wide as uh the, the west karana it's the biggest zone in classic everquest for sure right um uh, when i say classic i mean the first with no expansions, I don't know if there's any one bigger in Kunark. Um, not that I've been in, not that I know, but yeah, it is definitely. I mean, if you well, the Dreadland, you remember we went to the Dreadlands, that's that's a pretty big zone. Dreadland is pretty big, but I don't think it's as there's big. like an ice area, like half yep. the map is an ice area, and then west side. Yep. So yep. I, don't, I don't know, we'll have to get if a you... measuring stick out next time and <laughs> start to you know, measuring the step <laughs> that we take with the yeah. gnome. Uh, <laughs> I think maybe was a lake of Illumin, maybe from corner to corner could be as as long, but no, I, I think that's yeah, a big one. 
but I don't, I don't, I don't think Dreadlands is as big as the Whiskerinos, honestly. Um, Stonefront Mountains is pretty big too. The one by the Warrens that they later added. If you go through the Warrens, it takes you to Stonefront Mountains, and I've, I've only been there maybe like twice, but it's like a jungle, and then it leads up this big mountain at the top. It's like this little city up there with all these kobolds and uh, no gorillas. There's these gorillas mm. up there and stuff. Yeah, that's a pretty big map. Uh, never been. Zone. Never been either. Yeah. We're gonna have to take a trip. Yeah, that's the thing with yeah. EverQuest is you have these. You know, if you need to get from level fifteen to twenty, I mean, there's like fifty different zones to do it in, and usually you're gonna do it in the easiest place to get that experience. So let's say Stonebird right. Mountains had had that, it's probably not the easiest, probably a little farther for people, and and people very, very yeah. rarely frequent it. Speaking of, of traveling, I remember one time um, with my my druid, somebody told me, "Oh, you know, you have to go to the Wraith Mountains." You know, you gotta go hunt those those giants. You know, because with with a druid, it's pretty easy. All you gotta do is kite them, right? Snare oh, them. Dang, I remember uh, those the money the money giants, right? The money giants, yeah. Exactly. But they oh, they man. drop, yeah, they drop. But they drop. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was copper. That's it. But tons of copper. So you had to really weigh yourself down in order to freaking farm those money giants in Wraith Mountains. That was a hike. Fun. Well, it's Big funny, way. Carlos. Uh, I remember going there. Um, I think it was, I believe it was my necro. I forget what range that was, around 30s or so. But um, like you said, they drop a ton of loot that weighs you down. And when you go there and you're hunting these giants, you want to keep hunting as many as you can to before you have to go back to turning your loot. Well, we're on the PvP server so what you do is you go out there you just find people to kill and you get all their loot and you <laughs> you gate out oh, thanks man, man. I'll, be back. I'll be back in an hour yeah. i can't run anymore all right let me go for him you know i i have this i have something i gotta get off my chest because this oh, is boy. something i live with in my nightmares right but it kind of is to like Derek's story so i remember once i'm in Akinon, and I got my gnome enchanter, and you know, I remember I'm in middle school again or whatever. And somebody's like, "Hey, I need to go to the bank to drop off my gold. I don't know where I, I'm new. You know, I don't know where to go. Can someone help me?" And I'm like, "Yeah, man, I'll help you out." You know, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, okay, cool, thanks." So we, I told him to meet me up at like the blacksmith. So he meets me there, and then I start taking him to the back you know like the necromancer tunnels like all yeah, the way in the boonies oh, yeah, but, man. The, but that's far away from the bank right so he starts like hey where are we going i'm like oh the bank's over here you know you got to watch out because you don't want to get caught going to the bank uh with your pants down or whatever yeah, this is a shortcut and I, I take him <laughs> to those back tunnels man and i killed him and took all his money and he was just new to the server i felt so at the time, I you know I didn't think anything, but now I feel so bad. I look I, back and I'm I gotta like, say, what did I do? What did at I do? The beginning of the story, you oh, said yeah. I was in middle school. I don't know if that makes it better or worse. <laughs> you were in middle school. I was in thinking, seventh grade. Yeah, seventh I don't. Grade. He's a changed man. I'm a changed man. I can't. So if you're that. out there, if you're out there, whoever you know listening, I'm I'm sorry. I hope you can forgive me. <laughs> Twenty <laughs> years ago, this is able to throw your money in the back alleys of Kankana. <laughs> Oh, oh, man. Well, you know, um, speaking of some other funny stories here in Kasora, I'll turn, I'll pivot back to that. Um, do you guys remember there's this elven enchantress uh, woman? She was 
uh, one of the spellcasters there in like the church where Zalzog was, and she kept popping up, but like every seemed like every thirty seconds, like you kill her. And then she'd pop up and start messing everybody again, trying to charm. And you're like, holy crap. Like, who? why is her spawn timer so short? I don't know what was up with that. But you would kill the whole church, and she would just consi- consistently just keep spawning. She didn't really even drop anything. I I think maybe she was for an epic or something. Um, but I don't know. I don't know yeah, so I, I, looked her, I looked her up, and what, um, her, name, her, name, her name was Nasteria. Oh, there you go. Yep. Supposedly, the story was she – was a powerful sorceress that mastered the three um, mage arts. I guess there's three uh, classifications of majory. And she, uh, they were, and, and during the quest, you have to go find her in Kasora. And what you got to do is you got to charm her. So she's on a five minute respawn and you got to charm her hand in an item in order to receive something back for her. And at the end of the quest, I'm looking at it here. You get this thing called the Shield of the Primal Mind, which is for wizards, mages, and enchanters. Has a so it's a shield that has AC of 25, 10 intelligence, 25 mana, some SV stuff. But it has a an effect called Flames of Row, which does 400 damage uh, with a cast time of 13 and a half seconds. So I guess if you're wearing this, you could right click on it or whatever to cast a 400 damage spell. On an enemy, but you can't really use this item. I think it's uh, a level 50 is when you could use it. So, you know, 500 damage for a wizard is not much uh, for 13 seconds cast at level 50. But, you know, for for an enchanter, it is. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. That's pretty good, actually. Wow. Yeah. Why, why they made her so weak instead of making her a, a much higher level? Why does it just make her weak and then give her such a short spawn time, respawn time? I'm not sure. Weird. Break, break. Yeah, I think. Give me one second here. Oh, okay. Someone got it. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Back to normal. Um, I also like the the design of uh, of our friend. Uh, Which? Oh, Zalzog. Yes. Zalgaz. He's out. Sorry, yeah, Zalgaz. He was um, like all red, like he was covered in blood. Yeah, he was pretty much bigger, and uh, he had this long tongue. Remember that long tongue they had that they just moved around. Yeah, it's just been. They gave him a little more time than the weird like Sarnax. Yeah, that was cool. And he was. Remember all the other Sarnax that we met were ghosts, right? I think they were in ghost form. Yeah, and then some some XRs as well, right? Spectered as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's some specters. Yeah, but he was not a ghost form. He was a, no. his vampire form. Now, do you remember the the cat room? Yeah, I remember that. When we came in, we were looking through the walls of our gnome vision. And we saw yeah, it. you remember that, yeah. Carlos? Yeah, there's a picture. I took a, a, sprick, uh, a screenshot of it. Um, That's right. You put it on the Discord, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, walked on... Somebody told... I don't know if it was Kiefer walked on run. They were saying that... He's heard rumors that this is where the admins will bring somebody in to question or to talk to, like in private. So I don't know why they made them all cats. I really don't know. But yeah, that'd be an interesting story if anyone knows. I mean, remember the in Soul B, they had the room with the coordinates, and that's the another room where right. the GMs would go to. Yeah. So maybe yeah, they would go to the coordinate room for them from themselves. And then they would bring the people to something like a cat room. They wouldn't bring them to the coordinate room. Maybe that's how it worked. 
Yeah, and it's 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 like it's not cats; it's kittens. It's like little cute little kittens, like pictures plastered all over the walls and the ceiling and the and the floor. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a weird room. Yeah, I, I I did some research online, uh, looked on Reddit, and I found some forms that were older, and they did say that those rooms were used by the old GMs and the old guides that they used to have. Um, you know, the guys are like the volunteer program, and they would come in and they would spawn in that square room because they didn't want to like show them just like walking into the zone and um the coordinates were like the coordinates for the major mobs or locations in the uh zone that they would like quickly reference and then do like you know slash loc and they would type them in and they would like transport like teleport there so that's what they did and they would also bring people in there when there was a uh issue that people had like sometimes i guess there was back in the day you could petition the gms to come if there's like an issue with camping or, you know, someone, you know, kill steals your stuff. And then they, they bring them in there uh, and they do kind of like the Batman routine. Where's the girl? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, let's pivot a little bit. I want to talk about another topic uh, close to the heart of EverQuest here, and that's grouping. So as we've been playing through our journey, We've now been joined by our allies, and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts regarding grouping. And also, do you think that grouping matters as much as it did back in the day in terms of composition? Uh, yes or no? What do you think? Um, I think it still does, to a degree, to an extent. Um, yeah, the mobs have gotten... I mean, the game has gotten easier than what it was back in the day. But um, obviously, you would always need... I mean, we always know that you need a tank, a healer, and obviously mob control. Uh, so that's never going to change. But I think that now, because the game is a lot more accessible, or you can say a, a little bit easier to play with, you can actually mess around with it. Uh, I, I think that, was it somebody, I think, was telling us that, that they had a group of encha one enchanter and the rest were wizards. Uh, I think we, we, we've seen compositions of non-arcane groups as well. You can have that. Uh, it'll be insane because then you have to heal in, in in other ways with bandages, but um, but it's not it's not the game is more forgiven, so you're allowed to have different kinds of crazy wacky compositions. Uh, so it's not as important. But I honestly find it a lot easier when you have obviously healer, mob control, and tank, uh, nuker obviously as well. Uh, in regards also to uh, my thoughts in the grouping, I think we've been pretty lucky. Uh, when we've tried to find a group, uh, starting with uh, Solosec I, Solosec A, right? I think I think that was the, the first time that we started grouping with with uh, complete strangers. And yeah. every time that we've grouped with them, it's been fantastic. They've been very helpful. We've had a great time, and um, it's been people are very approachable and very friendly. And now that we've had, now we have a good set of group of people. We have Kiefer, Walked on Run, Reaper that have stuck with us, you know, all our nonsense and, and, and trials and tribulations that we put them through throughout all their different sessions and they've stuck, you know, with us. So it's been fantastic. And I think, I think again, I'm going to say that this is why I really, I've loved EQ because it's dedicated people and just made it much, much better experience for everybody. Yeah. I, I agree with a lot with what you said, Carlos. I think what we're doing with the dungeon diving, we're doing a more traditional, group set up with a healer, an enchanter, wizard, a warrior. 
Uh, you got the like the main roles filled out there. Each person plays a specific role, but in reality, you could you could do what we're doing with like all wizards or all enchanters or all mages. It would just be more difficult in certain places, right? And it depends also on what it's all situational. Like, let's say we're in an outdoor zone and you have six necros. I mean, you would destroy the stuff by kiting it around. Um, and for example, if you're in a dungeon and you had all mages, I mean, everyone would have a pet and you would destroy this stuff in an instance. But how would you do crowd control? That's where that's where the hard right. part would get in. But there's always from what my experience is, there's always a way to do to figure it out. Right. Yeah. So the way you would do crowd control is you would pull maybe to the zone and then zone out and then you zone back in and start getting your thing. I mean, there's always a method of getting things done, no matter what the group composition is. I guess the only thing is, is that some group compositions make it easier depending on the situation. Right. So that's that's I think the beauty of a request is you don't need X, X and X to get this done. You could do it with whatever way, as long as you're using different tactics. And I think that's what the higher level raiders get into is there's different tactics for beating different raid bosses. And a lot of them are unorthodox. Um, Come to think so, of it. Sorry. It was, it was Zade. Wasn't it Zade that did the mages with the enchanter? I think that's the, that I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, but can you imagine befallen with all wizards? I don't think that would go well. It would be difficult. I mean, you know, but the way you do it, let's say we all, we're all wizards. We would each root a mob. And then you keep it rooted, and then you would just nuke this one mob uh, with yeah. stun spells, you know, or something. There's there's a way to do it. It'd just True. be maybe a little more effort or not as easy because you don't have a guy healing, and, and you know, one guy goes down, and now you're in trouble. So. Evac. Well, you have five evacs, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's the one thing that I think is interesting about EverQuest, and we saw it with Yenny's interview, right? Like, they killed the sleeper that wasn't supposed to be killed and they did it with super unorthodox means. It was not traditional. So I think it, you know, I think if like you removed uh, certain classes, even from the game, like hypothetically, if there was no enchanter, like it would be super cool to see how the player base would react and overcome to that new obstacle. And you would see some crazy, you know, strategies. Cause I remember like back in uh, the day with like even PVP, you saw, the meta, the, the PvP meta, like, evolve over time. It would change. I remember at one point, it was really funny, was uh, jousting came became a thing in PvP. So, like, I had a weighted axe that had, like, 50 damage and 150 delay. And no one would use that weapon because it sucked, right? Because you're going to sit there and it's going to be super slow. But then they invented jousting where you would <laughs> hold the axe, you would run by another melee class, and you hit A, Right when you get next to them, and then you'd hit, boom, and then you would keep running so that it like recharges the delay, and then you would come back around do another loop, and then you hit A again, and then you you know do the damage. So it's funny that the game evolves because of the players coming up with like really creative solutions to things, and I really love that. And as far as like grouping, I think it makes the gameplay experience so amazing. So for anybody listening out there, if you want to come back and play EverQuest, like do it, but. See if you can convince a friend or two to start and then bring them in. And even if it's like two or three of you, because it started even us, it was just three. But we were able to do a lot with our group. And when we felt comfortable, we started inviting people into our group as well. Now we got six. And so that's just my advice. It it really enhances the gameplay. Listen, there, there were four of us. 
Never was, forget. There was four. Yeah, I forget. Never, Never forget, forget Winklebone. Winklebone. <laughs> hey, you know, out. I was looking, I just looked up the uh, weighted axe. So I remember using the Tantor's Tusk, right? And that's 50 damage, 60 delay. The weighted axe is like 45 damage, um, 100 and something, 150 delay. So the weighted axe is definitely um, inferior to the Tantor's Tusk. I think the I think probably the reason to use it, the weighted axe at that time was because the Tantor's Tusk was, I think, pretty expensive. Heck yeah, it was. That, that weighted axe was like the poor man's thing, man. That was like, yeah. Platinum. I'd buy yeah. that sucker and then... You buy your what you do is you buy your weighted axe, and then you go to the East Commons because you know I was an ogre, and then you start PKing everybody to start getting money to build up your coffers for the Tantor's tusk. That's what you did. Ah, that's yeah. that's right. I remember getting a Tantor's tusk when I had a, a ogre warrior, and I remember specifically going to High Pass Hold, and there was a guy sitting down on the top levels. He was, I guess, killing guards or something, and I went one shot at him right over the head pop because when you're sitting down you get like oh, yeah. twice as much damage or something so there's one shot and boom done and it it's is that thing that, is extremely that, powerful did it have that satisfying there's that there's that Crack. sound effect there's that sound effect that when you get like that big hit it's like you know it's like, this weird uh. rush, like uh. man yeah it was one of those cold oh. crushing yeah uh well you know, hey, everybody out there, that's all we have for today. We really hope you enjoyed it. We, you know, uh, we're, we're having a great time with everybody coming on the show and trying to do different interviews. And we really enjoy the community interaction on Facebook and on Reddit and on Twitter. So so thank you all so much for listening. We didn't expect to really get this much uh, love when we started the podcast. We thought it was just going to be uh, the, 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 the four or five of us listening to the show. And so we continue to hope that we – Put out good content to earn your subscription and five-star rating and review. And if you want to get a hold of us, remember you can get a hold of us on Twitter at return to EQ. That's at return, the number two EQ. And join us in two more weeks as we begin our next expedition. And I believe we're going, where are we going? To the Mines of Nurga and Temple of Joga. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so we're going to be getting some goblins in Kunark. That'll be a good time. Take care, everybody. See you then.